Hey, Sam. Hey, Teresa. What's up? How much? Just got back from North Carolina um, and now just trying to kind of get my bearings in New York again. How about you? Um, I've been quarantined for the last few days um, after getting COVID, but honestly, it's been pretty chill. I have a nice room and um, I don't really have class this week anyway, so kind of an ideal scenario um but I am getting a little bored so you know <laughs> um yeah. but yeah I'm super excited for our interview today yeah um I feel like boredom during quarantine is like part of the process you'll get yeah. over it um but yes <laughs> today we will be interviewing the legendary Chicago producer Jana Rush and we will be talking to them over lemon and ginger tea great let's get into it So this week I chose ginger and lemon tea because it's all I've been drinking because I've been sick. Um, I feel like growing up, my mom would always drink this. Um, and when I was younger, I didn't really believe in like this mumbo jumbo, like fruits and no, not fruit, sorry, like herbs and like lemon and whatever helping you when you're sick. Um, but it actually does. So um, yeah, I've been drinking this tea. It tastes really good. I like to add honey to it. Um, and also when I drink like regular tea during when I'm sick, it kind of makes me dehydrated. But ginger and lemon tea, I know what, exactly what I'm drinking. Um, and yeah, it's kind of just been my, my COVID diet, as you could say. Yeah, this definitely goes outside of my regular drinking habits. Um... I don't have COVID, so don't have to drink lemon ginger tea. Weird flex, but whatever. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, if I had to give it, I feel like this is kind of like water, to be honest. You know, it's water that's good for your throat. So I would give it a five out of 10. <laughs> but going into today's interview, um, we are going to be talking to the Chicago producer, Jana Rush, producer and DJ recently had an awesome set with Boiler Room that you should definitely check out. Last year, they released their album, Painful Enlightenment, which is a wonderful project that um, bridges a lot of different genres and really makes a pretty intense statement about mental health and working through those issues without ever making it super overt. Um, and we're going to talk to them about the process of putting together this project and also what the project in general meant to them. Uh, so we're super excited to have them on the podcast. Great. Should we call them up right now? Let's call them up. Hey, how you doing? Hello. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. We're so excited to get into things. <laughs> Thanks for inviting me. We love your music and we have a bunch of questions. Uh, can we just jump right into it? Is that cool? Sure. Awesome. So um, I know that you've gotten to perform a bit more lately. Uh, and I saw you did a Boiler Room set yep. uh, recently. 
how was that and how was it getting to like finally do sets and especially performing for like something like boiler room in chicago um it was at first it was a little intimidating you know i didn't know what to expect because i see so many boiler room sets and it's just like the um the, the biggest concern of the night for me was i didn't want to disappoint anybody i didn't want to not be ready enough for you know that big challenge because um i'm pretty much like an introvert so it's like I don't really it's hard for me to engage with the crowd sometimes because I just feel weird all, a lot of the times when I'm in front of people so that was the biggest hurdle I didn't know like I didn't think I was gonna have the interest of the audience at all and um, did it did it work out that you got how quickly did you get comfortable and get everyone's interest um so like um one of the things I had to overcome was um the fact that I, okay, so when I go to um, do any live set, tip, a lot of the times you have a writer or whatever, you have a list of um, things that you need for your set. And I'm just gonna say, make a little story short, I don't usually have to bring cords or anything. I just have to bring my power cord and my setup. And I get to the boiler room set and we didn't have the right connections. And so like I had to, I was trying to do a live performance. That was my intent, but it winded up getting, um, adapted down to just a DJ set because I didn't have the right connections. And like, um, when I tried to use my Ableton push, it sounded so shitty. So I just winded up merging into a DJ set. But that I, once I overcame that, I just like was in my head like, fuck it. I don't even care no more, just do it. You know, if you know how to do it, just do it. You know what I mean? No, that's a really, good attitude. I feel like that's like the only thing you can do in that situation. Um, yeah. And just like also like speaking about Chicago, have you seen footwork change like within the city of Chicago um, since your time producing? You say have you, you the question is, have I seen footwork change? Yeah. Have you seen footwork change? And if so, like how? Um, it's changed. It's it's changed a little bit. Um, um, we got a lot of people from back in the day that should have been out here doing stuff, starting to get discovered and put out, you know, their sound to be able to put out that to the masses. Um, I'm seeing, you know, a lot of merging with the like drill type rap, hip hop type beats now merged into the footwork. But overall, um, I hate to say it, but yeah, I don't, you know, I don't see, yeah, I don't exactly see much change. Um, we do have someone in the footwork world that's coming out that whose sound is a whole lot different than most of the people that we know for footwork, and that's DJ Hank. Um, we have other artists that don't get um, recognized because they don't, I guess, um, adhere to the process and the rules as closely as everybody else. So when you say, has it changed? Um, the Chicago sound, nah, not really. Um, could it change if they let people in? Definitely, it's a lot of stuff that I might not be like the right drunk drunk kit, but I attach it to full work. It is full work. So it's just like, it depends. I don't know, it depends on who the gatekeepers of the community is. But yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, that's a complex answer, but. Those are my feelings. <laughs>
No, I, I get I get what you're saying totally. And I guess when you were talking about kind of people incorporating sounds that people might not think of traditionally as footwork, I I know that people often describe your music kind of as that, as like pushing the boundaries of footwork. Um, does that characterization of your music bother you at all? Um, no, nah, because I mean, I don't set out with the intent anymore to make footwork tracks. I mean, if it's footworky, then cool, but I don't set out with that, in, that intent, you know, um, a lot of times with my tracks, I just, basically, I'm just trying to make music. I really like making music and I try not to put too much, I try not to over identify it. It's just like, just do something and, you know, put the sounds together and see what kind of situation I can come up, you know, the best sound that I could that I can come up with. What sounds like me and what's the best thing that I can do with this amount of time that they call a beat? What can I do with it? How can yeah. I change it? You know? So and there's a couple tracks on this album where you really you stretch your songs to new or just very long lengths. Uh, I'm thinking like specifically of suicidal ideation, but a lot of tracks on the album take on these like very um these wild song structures uh what inspired that and what made you feel like comfortable getting into that well i mean like i feel like this is something i was put here to do i mean um being put here to do music and being the best at it are two different things but i feel like a lot of people were put here to do music so in terms of um making tracks i know a lot of times you know i get labels that want to cut my shit down and, you know, it's like whatever, whatever, but make a long story short, you know, something that you're abundant in, I don't worry about, like, times and shit, you know, I just let it go, you know, like, I'm not worried about, oh, I gave somebody a nine-minute track, and I only made $1,500, I don't give a fuck, because there's more to come, you know, like, I'm not gonna run out of that. Yeah, and continuing on, like, with, yeah, like, your general approach to music, what is your, like, approach to sampling? Are you more of a crate digger or like do you work with samples that you like hear um just like when you're exploring different types of music um pretty much my approach to sampling is like um kind of like Rashad's you know like I got some um musical you know some people music that inspire me and I just really fuck with they shit like Minnie Ripperton um fuck with they shit i fuck with roy ayers you know a lot of sounds that i heard back when i was younger and i just it always you know like i knew i liked the sound but i never knew why i didn't know how to understand what the sound you know or not understand what i didn't know how to describe what the sound was i just knew i liked a certain part of the song so it's like that's that is you know i just started referencing or looking for things based off of that kind of shit and then, you know, like I said, I hear a lot of new and up and coming people and I see I hear some of the chords and everything. And I try to figure out like ways that I could mess with the groove or like what can you do with this mathematically to make it sound, you know, like to give people a hint of what it is. But it's basically like, fuck you. You don't know it is. It sounds like it, but you don't know if that's really what it is. You know, what I mean, that's kind of like how I just I don't like to take samples and just have it you know, some little, some loop that everybody's heard before. It's just like, I feel like it's, you gotta fuck with it a little bit, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's such a cool way of putting it. And I, I have a couple questions. First, um, just you brought up Minnie Ripperton, who's a Chicago artist. Um, were you influenced by a lot of the sounds in Chicago when you first started making music? 
Oh yeah, I mean, like I came from house music, you know, and a lot, all this came from house music. I mean, it's just like, you know, I, it's kind of sad because it's a lot of kids in this industry or I'm not gonna even say industry because I'm not, you know, that big yet, but I'm gonna say it's a lot of kids even in the Chicago scene don't even know where a lot of this shit originated from or they think it's all different. Um, it's all different, you know what I mean? And it's like, I, you know, I don't know a footworker producer. I don't know a ghetto house producer. I don't know a house producer who's like, it all came from the people before, like the disco and then you had the house music. You know what I mean? It's just like, it all came from somewhere. And it's just like, yeah, um, a lot of, you know, my sounds, I'm not, yeah, it came from house music. I, I mean, it came from me listening to music when I was like seven years old on the radio, listening to BMX, WGCI. And like I said, I'm hearing this stuff and I just, it like, I didn't know, I guess saying, I don't know what it was, is kind of general, don't really put you in a place of me, but it's just like to, to hear something that you like, but you don't even know how to describe it. You know, it's like, it was one of those situations, like what, I didn't know what times were. I didn't know what a synthesizer was. It's just like, yeah, it came from me listening to music and just over time, you know, meeting up with different people like Paul Johnson and him explaining things to me and here I am now, so. <laughs> yeah, and on that note, um, like you kind of brought up with like how this all comes from like house and the deep legacy that it has. Um, but I think you've also like been creating this music for a while and so you've like kind of seen that evolution. Do you feel like it's important for anyone who gets into the genre now to have that deep understanding? Deep understanding of the past, yes. I mean, mm-hmm. any, you know, like with anything, I mean, that's the only way you're going to be able to know what's, you know, I feel like the past help, helps you to know what changes needs to be made in the future or gives you a hint to where we may, may you know, maybe going with it. It's like you always got to have somewhere to reference from. You can't just come in because, I mean, you, you, you know, like some of the rules you do have to follow, you know what I mean? or it's not what you say it is, you know, at least here in this time. So it's just like, yeah, you you definitely, yeah, you have to reference, you have to go back. And sometimes you have to go, you know, people don't understand nowadays too. You have to go further than the people who currently or who influenced you as a child. It's like, it was people before them who influenced them. You know what I mean? It's like, need to get to the root of it. So I don't, I don't know, the sky's the limit if you understand it, you know? Yeah, and you said that there's some rules that you have to follow. Uh, could you tell us what any of those rules are? Um, so, I mean, just the music in general, you have to follow, you know, you have to have an arrangement, you know, style, or, you know, you have to do things like that, arrange it the way that that genre, the acceptable way, or you have to use some derivation of that arrangement style. Um, you have to have, of course, a BPM, you know, a BPM range, I mean, certain things, you know, like you probably won't call a track at 125 footwork, you know what I mean? So it's just like certain things got to stick, you know, but um, after you know those things, and you know them well, and you, can, you know what you could do with them, then you know how you could change it and make it sound, you know, make it more interesting, you know what I mean? And it's like, the thing is a lot of, what a lot of people don't understand, it's not so, it's the change doesn't have to be drastic. It don't have to be an extreme. You could do a little bit and people, if people, if you could make it perceivable, then there you go, you're a pioneer, you know what I mean? So it's just like, it don't, it don't really take much for you to get your own sound. It's just like, you got to figure out the fundamentals first, you know? No, definitely. 
Um, and going back to your newest project, um, Painful Enlightenment, you explore some deep themes on that project. Um, and we were wondering like, what made you comfortable sharing those um, deeper themes with this music um, to like the general public? Well, because I mean, um, I feel like something, you know, mental health, especially in the United States, is something we always running away from and we don't tend to, but yet still everybody's steadily getting stressed out more. You got, you know, people, you know, don't have the same morals that they had or their people seem like a lot of people's morals are not as strong as they used to be or they don't have values and i'm not you know saying it from a judgmental stance i'm saying whatever your values are it's a lot of people that don't even have any you know what i mean so it's just like it's so much going on out here and you know like i can't be the only one in the world whose mental health is being affected by all of this you know what i mean and it's just like i just wanted to let people you know i wanted to basically like open a dialogue or you know like be, I want to help not make it a taboo to be going to seek to seek therapy or something like that or feeling you know blue or feeling some kind of way because I mean you can't you know a stoic lifestyle is like it sounds like a dream but like the way that this world is set up we ain't set up you know for stoic stoic stoicism whatever however they say that and it's like if you try it you know, you might wind up going off the deep edge. So, you know, like, it's like address it before it gets there. You know, that's where I'm trying to go. Oh, that's, that's such an interesting, like, way of putting it. And something that I wondered was, I think you do a really good job of balancing, like, those themes and, like, clearly exploring um, uh, the kind of, like, darker parts of this album with, like, the danciness of it. Because, I mean, like, footwork, you have to like be able to dance to a little bit. Um, so yeah. I was wondering, was it tough to be able to balance those two different sides of this album? Well, like I was saying before, it's like, um, I didn't necessarily, me personally, it's not a footwork album. <laughs> it's like, it's an album that basically, it was more for listening because I mean, with the pandemic and everything and all this bullshit, you know, I know we're going to be back and forth off of quarantine or partial quarantine or, you know, we're going to have these levels just like with that 9-11 bullshit. So it's just like, you know, it's something to listen to. You might be in the house and you feel like shit, you know, you might want to listen to some music that, you know, sounds shitty or, you know, can meet your your um, emotional needs at the moment. I mean, everything is not rainbows and candy and it'll be all right. Sometimes, you know, it's OK to address and to be a bitch and be the monster that you are because of whatever's going on. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, that, that, yeah, I think, I think it's like interesting. You definitely say, like, I, I totally see what you're saying that this isn't necessarily a footwork album, but I guess I'm wondering, is this music that you were looking for people to dance to? Um, I guess a few tracks. Yeah. Like disturbed. Um, moaning you might be able to get, get a little groove out of moaning, moaning so yeah I mean a few of them I guess yes a, a little upbeat not as you know deep and just, you know sorrowful or whatever yeah. um, go ahead Teresa yeah and just talking about like your work outside of music um, do you still do work um, in engineering and um, 
if so we're just wondering how like if things outside of music um affect your art or like skill sets that you have outside of music affect your work yeah um right now i'm doing i'm a cat scan technologist at a hospital so we do cts which is basically a form of x-ray for this x-ray um and yeah i mean the stress of work like really pushes me to come home and be creative because that's like my outlet you know at work you know you got all these limitations you know you like you're teaming with all this compassion but a lot of times you know people are not compassionate to you so you have to have an outlet and that's like my music because it's like limitless you know what i mean yeah definitely um and i think uh, kind of on the note of collaborations um i know like immediately when i heard painful light meant um like the first track Monin, it like took me back um and i like immediately thought of dj paypal specifically the like track <laughs> awakening um yeah. and so and then i like looked at the track list and he's like on multiple tracks on the album and it was just yeah. like such a wild moment um and can you talk about how like your collaboration with paypal but also just collaborations within the scene in general yeah, so I, you know, we did these tracks. Um, I went out to Berlin in like 2018 and he had a studio and we just spent the night there making tracks and um, Intergalactic Battle, we made that track just like as is. Like we, cause we were supposed to go and tweak the track, but his, you know, the following week, of course, you know, his computer got stolen. He never located it, of course. And we just had what was on the hard drive or, you know, what he had downloaded for me or put on my Dropbox. And so like that track was just straight up just a raw situation where we was just putting some sounds together and, you know, we pushed, re pushed record and Mike just happened to like it. And yeah, that was what we did. But like when we're in the studio, it's kind of weird because it seemed like we always like whatever one does, the, comp the other one is compensated for it. It's almost like we just magically just work together because before that we had never really collaborated because he he had been in the states a couple of times but I didn't spend a lot of time with him and yeah that guy he's on top of his shit in the studio he knows he knows his shit just put it like that and he has plenty of equipment so I just went crazy but yeah we had a lot of fun I'm going back out there to, um in about a couple of months so I hope hopefully I'll be able to hang out with him for a minute yeah, that's awesome. You could definitely like hear the fun in those tracks. Um, <laughs> and then I also wanted to ask about um, Groove 6. Uh, yeah. I know like it felt like kind of in a way the opposite of Painful Enlightenment, but like explore like with a lot of the same sounds because the songs were pretty short. Uh, it was kind of like uh, more upbeat. And I was wondering what was your vision for that project and how did it come together? Oh, so um, the guy from Polish Juke, Paul, he reached out to me and um, actually most of those tracks on there, I had already, a lot of those tracks I had already made and a few of them weren't even finished, but he wanted it as is. That's how that went. It's like he um, listened to them. He was just like, I'll press, I'll press up some cassettes and put downloads out. And woo, woo, woo. and I was like, okay, can he, he asked, can I send him some tracks? And the tracks that I sent him, those are the ones that he picked out. Um, and like I said, all he wanted me to do was just mix them down, you know, like turn the volume down on a few of them. But yeah, those are all older tracks. And yeah, a few of them wasn't even really finished. <laughs> um, and then 
just going back to painful enlightenment, um, has it what is it what has it been like seeing such a warm reception to the project? And um, were you surprised um, in any way? Can you say that one more time? Because it was chopping up. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, of course. Um, I was just wondering, what has it been like to see such a uh, warm reception to painful enlightenment? And like, were you surprised um, in any way? Yeah, it's incredible because I didn't know my biggest question with that project was I didn't know if it was relatable enough. You know, it's like even though I knew it was the topic is relatable, I didn't know if people were gonna was gonna be able to see what I saw, you know, like, see, I didn't, I didn't know if they was going to be able to understand the way that I was communicating it, if they were going to take it that way, or if it was just going to be like, what the fuck, you know, so I just was um, always second guessing and, you know, worried about the relatableness of the project. Yeah, well, I mean, it seems like so many people related to it. So I think that definitely <laughs> you, you hit the mark on that one for sure. Um, <laughs> And we have like a couple more questions about the music and then we just want to go to more general stuff. But um, first, could you talk a little bit about the title track for Painful Enlightenment? Um, it really seems like you're, it almost seems like there's like nothing is quantized. Like everything's kind of all over the place. Was that an intentional vibe that you were trying to create? Yeah, because I mean, like that's why a lot of times I like what I like about jazz and bebop because because a lot of it, it's like, it's kind of free, you know, so it's free flowing. And it's like, that's when it's in its best form. So like, that's pretty much what I be, I try to do with anything. When I try to do jazz, I try to stay away from the quantization because it's like, um, that's what's beautiful about j most jazz tracks is that especially bebop is the energy and the way it flows. It's like, you quantize that, you're messing the whole situation up, so. And for those tracks, do you just not even like use the quantized feature or do you just quantize in more like unconventional ways? I just try to play or play around with the quantization because I mean, yeah. I, I, you know, like I don't, I don't know. I just, it's kind of, like, well, yeah, I try to, sometimes I can try to see how far I can take it because it's just like, that's what's fun about music is, you know, you have these rules and I play with them, you know, it's like, and I feel like a lot of people think you know, these are, you know, like they think about the rules in a whole nother way. They think about it from the condition sense of the matter. Like, this is what you're supposed to do. It's like, no, it's kind of weird in music. It's like, you know, you're supposed to know the rules and then fuck with it. See what you can do with it, you know? And what would you say that um, you want people to get out of this record? Um... I want people to, you know, be more self-accepting, I guess, and um, not be afraid to, you know, sometimes, you know, some days you just have to say fuck everybody and not, don't, you know, don't be, don't get all caught up in the idea of it or, you know, overthinking it. It's just like, you know, everybody has a fucking bad day or bad week, you know, and right now, you know, it's not the time to hide it. So just, you know, when you have to say fuck it, just, you know, do that, you know? I love that attitude. <laughs> I think that's a wonderful lesson. Um, and then finally, just, I know you just had the boiler room set. 
Um, should we be looking out for anything else from you this year? Are you performing? Are you releasing more music? What are you going to be up to? Yeah, so I got um, a tour in April overseas in UK. I'll be all over. I'll be over um, Dinahog. I'll be in Portugal. I'll be in Spain, all that other stuff. Um, what's the other one? I'm going to London also. Um, I got an EP coming out on Mallorca. I don't know if you heard of that label before. And I got a few remixes and that's about it. But yeah, I like to keep things spread out because, you know, I like to explore a lot more. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, also this album was just so like massive. I feel like it's good. <laughs> um, but are you going to be in New York? Uh, yes, I'll be in New York. I'm sorry. I'll be in New York, New York at the end of February, February 26th. Um, I'm playing at The Dweller. So that's going to be popping. Um, yeah, and I also, sorry, forgive me. I got my project coming out on Planet Moo in March. I got another EP. It's called Dark Humor. So we're going to see what that does. Oh, awesome. We're so excited to check it out. Um, I'll hopefully get to see you in New York in uh, February. Um, yes. But thank you so much for coming on and talking to us. No problem. Thank you for asking. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Two Virgins. We hope you enjoyed getting to know Jana Rush and check out their album, Painful Enlightenment. You can find this episode on our website, quarantinecontent.com, or on our weekly newsletter, The Q. See you next week.